That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one bird-feeding minute at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Janae from JanaeHyatt.com. And today we have a very exciting guest with us. Her name is Lauren Reed. I've known Lauren for years now, and she is an extremely talented vocalist and um, voice teacher. So welcome, Lauren. We're excited to have you with us. Thanks. It's a privilege. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I've been wanting to have somebody on, like, basically the whole movie um, that knows something about music because... I don't know very much. We pretend like we know what we're talking about. (laughs) We try to know what we're talking about, but we really don't. Well, I'm really excited to talk about, I mean, Alan Menken is such an amazing composer. And um, when you combine his music with the lyrics of Howard Ashman, you can't really go wrong. I mean, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, they were evidence of how brilliant that uh, partnership was. Uh, to begin with and then you have beauty Mm -hmm. and the beast which just swept the academies essentially so amen preach sister (laughs) (laughs) all right well with that let's let's go ahead and jump into the minute today we're talking about minute 52 which starts off with beast wiping his face on his sleeve and ends with beast singing she glanced this way as he steals a glance I really like how you uh, sing that for us, Bobby. <laughs> I feel like I had to. Usually I try not to because, you know, that's awkward. But I feel like I had to because this, this is a song minute. Uh, it was perfect. So what I really like about this is that the orchestration, there's so much musical imagery. You start with Chip pushing that spoon and you hear the little piccolo kind bing, of, bing. yeah, mimic that. <laughs> Uh, there's so much of that imagery throughout this entire minute. Mm-hmm. Something I'm really interested in is this kind of undulating pattern that you hear underneath the dun 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 dun. The constant, you know, eighth note pattern. It it creates this really playful kind of atmosphere, which I think yeah. goes perfectly with the uh, scene and emotion of of the clip. You see the beast (laughs) make a mess of himself. (laughs) And then slowly, as this awkward moment (laughs) uh, rectifies itself, (laughs) the orchestra starts to modulate and bring us into a happier, uh, more lively key, which Belle is amazing. I mean, she acknowledges the awkwardness of the moment and then she makes that split second choice. And in that moment, all the music is starting to rush together and you have the arrival as they bring their bowls together. I love that part because, let's see, I wrote down that as they lift their bowls for the toast, it has this upwardness to the music. <laughs> I don't yes, know. no, exactly. It just it, like goes up. There's a scale like, that rises in pitch. Perfect, yeah. And it just gives it a Christmassy feel as well as just a brightness to the future and what it holds and where their relationship is going. So I did make an of that but i wanted to pause and go back for a second because if anyone else listening is like me and doesn't know very much about music um can you tell me what the word undulating means (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
I guess so. Yeah. So I think it's just underneath. It's rocking. There's a, a motion to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it, it's continuous. It doesn't, it's kind of like a ship can be undulating on the waves, right? Okay. The, the waves, the waves undulate underneath a ship. Um, I'm trying to think of another way to use that word. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of how the music is propelled forward is by that little, it's really the lower strings that are doing that. And you can hear it. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I think that's so great. And it's, I love that you mentioned the word Christmassy because you get these little bells in the background as soon as we turn to the scene outside. And I think that that reminds me of, you know, jingle bells or sleigh bells outside, Mm -hmm. which is perfect in the way that the film is slowly showing you this kind of passage of time. Mm -hmm. I always think that's so interesting how films are able to use these kind of montage moments I, I wouldn't call this necessarily a montage, but you are moving from scene to scene, not necessarily that, you know, I in the past when I watched this, I, n- I never felt like all of these things had to happen. You know, the the dinner, the awkward dinner and the snowball fight outside. I never felt like these these things all had to be sequential. Mm-hmm. Right. But it does feel like it all happens in a day. But at the same time, with the Christmas bells, you know that time has been passing since Bell's uh, early captivity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of a tricky moment because you do feel a lot of the passage of time. But at the same time, like you were saying, it could all be in a day. You know, they could be eating breakfast and then go out for a snowball fight slash bird feeding walk and, you know, end up later on reading a book we'll see in the next minute. But it could also be over the span of, you know, days or weeks. That's part of the hard part of trying to, to analyze this movie in this particular part is we don't really know how much time is supposed to be passing. It feels like that we're skipping a lot, that we're missing a lot, and they're having a lot more time to build up the relationship. And we're just kind of seeing a highlight reel of that, um, which I like. I do too. I think it's interesting that, you know, at the beginning of the film, especially as you're following her father through the forest, you see that the leaves are no longer on the trees. Could be just creating some ominous feel and be a completely dead forest. Mm -hmm. Could have been a fire or something like that. But at the same time, it does feel like the beginning of the film, as Belle is greeting the villagers, there's some kind of feeling of fall about, yeah, you yeah. know, with the wind blowing in her hair and changing, there's no snow on the ground. I also think it's interesting that that emotionally, the moment when she wants to leave the beast is, you know, it's cold outside, winter is super depressing, and here we are, we're kind of turning things around because shortly after we know once we get to the end of the film the rain comes which you know rain in in new birth is associated with spring so while all this the in this one minute we're we're seeing this clip of the, them emotionally growing closer together in what seems like a day it could realistically be like you said bobby weeks mm-hmm there's something really sincere about that. There's something sweet about that, you know, o- you know, only having a glance or falling in love in 24 hours. Something very charming about that. And scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're me. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, 
I mean, think about the children that get to see this film. I think that myself in my naivete uh, when I was little, I'm trying to think first love, probably high school, middle school, you feel like you fall in love so fast. (laughs) But do you really know what love is? So I think that's why I have to argue that the Belle and Beast, in fact, have had much more time. This seems much more mature than just a quick day. And perhaps they fell in love before this scene and before their snowball fight. (laughs) Well, that goes right into some of the lyrics that she has, I think, because I love this song. I absolutely love this song. And when I think about the words that she is singing, there's something sweet and almost kind but he was mean and he was cruel and unrefined and now he's dear and so unsure. I wonder why I didn't see it there before. This is like her her inner monologue. She is reflecting back on how she has seen the beast change. So I would concur with your argument that this is taking place over time. This is not a one-day thing, even though she may be wearing like the same dress. It's I think it's taking place over time and she is has finally gotten to know him and is pondering over, huh, this guy is surprising me. He's he's different than I first thought he was, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I also like right there that her music is very different from his because they're both having this inner monologue. Um, they're both surprising each other. Mm-hmm. And Belle's music is much more I hate to lyrical? say it, but it's, yeah it's much more lyrical and feminine yeah. you have the woodwinds which are just a lot more uh, a, a lighter instrumentation there <gasps> the beast every time you hear music for him it seems almost dirge or plodding like <laughs> uh, maybe way. to uh, signify his burly <laughs> his burly <laughs> self I don't know <laughs> You gotta have a little bit more beastliness in the music when Beast is there. Yes. And, I mean, this is the first time we get to hear him sing. Like, he doesn't sing very much, but this is the first time he does, and I love it. Does he sing in other songs? Um, I'm trying to think. Wait, does he not sing in any other songs? I don't think so. I think this is it. Uh, Disney, what were you thinking? (laughs) I'm so mad that he doesn't have more songs. Beauty uh. and the Beast. Come on, people. <laughs> well, in beast. the musical, we know that Tim Rice yes. and Alan Menken include much more for the Beast. Yes, they do. Um, and I love them for that because I do love his songs in that. And they included some new songs for him in the movie. But I still think it was shockingly sparse, even in those instances. I just yeah. love the Beast. I think he needs more songs. I wonder how much of that contributed to the lyricist Howard Ashman being sick at the time of them mm-hmm. putting this together. Uh, you know, he passed away like shortly after it was released. Uh, he w- he couldn't even see when the movie was first premiered. So right. I think that that possibly could have contributed to maybe the limited amount of material that we get from the beast well and even this song something there you know this was kind of thrown together at the last minute because they had human again that was supposed to be kind of in this place and it got cut out because they were like uh that's that's too long so they cut that out and had to replace it 
And so they kind of came up with this uh, a little bit on the fly and, and threw this in there and ended up working out awesome. Thank goodness they did because yeah. it's way better. I mean, Human Again is a good song too, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm jaded. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that it's so sincere. I mean, his, mm-hmm. his glances towards her are the most human looks before his the expression in his eyes is almost what i would call dead and i think after he thanks her for taking care of him that's a moment where you start getting this more human beast which i think Mm. is so interesting and pivotal to the entire plot because those imperfections before i feel like he's very controlled but when you release your inner instincts as a human. I think that you're able to find these raw imperfections in in our little habits and quirks. And that's what we see with the beast. He is so quirky and weird. <laughs> I love his I love his cute little waddle towards the birds when he's like trying <laughs> to feed them and he they all go away and so he's like trying to get closer to him so he can still feed them and he does this little like waddly thing it's so cute it's so cute and the music goes along with it just perfectly uh the fact too that he desperately wants to feed (laughs) these birds they're teeny teeny (laughs) tiny compared to him i'm wondering if this is what we would call a symbiotic relationship (laughs) (laughs) it kind of reminds me too i think it's interesting that Belle and beast are gonna feed the birds because how often do we see disney princesses communicating with nature <laughs> right and i think it's awesome that it's she's teaching him how to communicate with nature so exactly. it's not just a female thing well and i was thinking it's not even just teaching him how to communicate with nature but she's in a way teaching him how to be gentle with them how yeah. to interact with something that's smaller and more delicate than he is and to show tenderness for these little birds and so in a way she's helping him change by teaching him these things and I also love at this part where she's totally not afraid to touch him at all like I don't know if you guys noticed how big his hands are compared to hers, but people are always telling me how small my hands are. And (laughs) I'm like, yes, I know I have child hands, but (laughs) her hands compared to his are just minuscule. And I will never feel bad about how small my hands are again because (laughs) Belle has tiny hands. Yes. Yes. Even if they do have those creepy long nails. <laughs> yes. Well, the, uh, the, her fingers are a little too slender for my liking. She's French, but guys. Yes, she's a sophisticated French woman. And, you know, she wasn't looking for a prince. Let's give her that. Out of all the Disney films, this is the first time that we see a princess that's not technically really in the market or looking. <laughs> Which I think is really refreshing. (laughs) So her dainty hands, I think, um, perhaps give her a similar quality to the birds, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, Janae, uh, she's much smaller (laughs) than the beast. 
And later you can see that even more strikingly when they start dancing. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I always thought that was so hilarious. I'm like, how does she put her big, uh, her, her arms around that big beast? <laughs> they don't go around. They just like sit where they're at, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, one of the things I love about this scene and the song is that this is the point where they both kind of let their their guard down and so we get a lot of we get to kind of see their inner emotions and like y'all both have mentioned we get their inner dialogue here but even before that i mean before they start singing uh which we don't have very much of the bees singing in this minute but we do have that part where he's reaching for the spoon and just the way that they they compose the shot you know he's there slurping his his porridge or soup or whatever that is and and gets embarrassed and when he's reaching for the spoon you can see like how worried and intimidated he is by the situation and how uncomfortable and awkward it makes him feel to not know what to do and to not know how to act and you know reaching for that spoon that they made like huge on the screen <laughs> you know it's this it's this big looming thing that he doesn't know how to handle and that's very symbolic of of their relationship and then you know he's trying to slurp the the food and it gets all over the place and so he's just kind of making a mess of everything and he can see that and so as bell's kind of reflecting on the changes she's seeing in him he's kind of having all these doubts and you know unsure of how to act unsure of the situation unsure of uh what she's feeling and, and how he's supposed to be reacting to that so i love that they're both so open and we kind of see both sides of it and they might not see what we're seeing in each other but they do see something there <laughs> ha 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 <laughs> it's true that's one of the most wonderful parts of the uh the clip it's so funny it reminds me so much of those awkward dates where you're just like <laughs> which one okay what do exactly which ones <laughs> all of them <laughs> just all kidding <laughs> i'm not always awkward on dates <laughs> well what i think is funny is that bell is equally awkward i mean mm -hmm. yeah. she's they're not talking i mean what kind of dinner is this <laughs> well yeah well i guess even when they're feeding the birds they're they're not really talking either we hear them because they're singing in their heads but yeah they're, they're not talking that makes it a lot more awkward well maybe they just really enjoy each other's company without feeling like they are forced to talk i mean that is a really important sign that you know you're with somebody when you're comfortable not talking, I think, mm -hmm. you know yeah. you're comfortable with somebody. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad sign that they're not talking. That's true. That's true. When you can have silences that aren't awkward silences, that's always a good sign. Yeah, which, I mean, of course, at the beginning of this minute, the silence is awkward. <laughs> but in the later scene where or the later part where they're feeding the birds, it's definitely does not seem awkward at all. So they're progressing. Yeah. I guess so. I still think it's super weird that they, <laughs> that they, I mean, I'm trying to think if this was the beginning of my relationship. <laughs> I mean, I would hope to get to the point to where when I'm a little bit older, I've, you know, grown accustomed to my partner, my spouse, like, I just would hope that we would be able to be sitting in a room and have absolute silence. <clears throat> but at first, when I'm first getting to know someone, 
<laughs> That's really uncomfortable. I will it's agree really with. uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you thinking the whole time? What are they thinking? I wonder what they're well, thinking. And then break the ice. <laughs> I don't know what to talk about. What if he doesn't know what to talk about? Uh, should I say this? No, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Well, and that's essentially what, what we're hearing. I mean, I guess more from, from Beast in the next minute than, than Belle in this minute. She's kind of just thinking about him. But yeah, there's definitely some of that going on with Beast in the next minute. <laughs> I wonder, do you guys know where they... Like, did they have... Because animation back in the 90s is very different from where it is today. Mm-hmm. I wonder what their inspiration was because i don't know if you guys notice this but watching pixar or disney films today there is a certain level of expression that i feel like is captured by the actual actors and Mm -hmm. when i watch beauty and the beast i don't feel like i'm watching Paige o'hara I feel like I'm watching Belle, which I think was something that was really important to them in this project. So I think Paige O'Hara even says herself that when she was, when they were putting this together, Belle was comprised of a little bit of herself as well as the animators and um, everyone else. It was like a group project. So the character themselves was a group project. Whereas today I feel like I watch characters and I see much more of the actor than I perhaps do when I watch Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I think a lot of that. I think a lot of that has to do with the technology that we have now. Because when we were talking to Tony Bancroft, he mentioned that they usually the the lead animator for a character was there when the voice actor was you know doing their recordings and you know got to know them and was kind of there to get their personality and they tried to put some of that into the character. But it was usually just the lead animator there for that character. And so there's not as much of that as you see now, where they've got you know like ten cameras on each voice actor as they're doing the part so they can put out videos and and I'm sure that the animators themselves have hours and hours and hours of videos they can go off of of these uh these voice actors doing their parts to to kind of imbue the characters with more of their personality. Exactly. It's kind of amazing to think that they would spend at least a week on 20 seconds worth of animation alone. Mm-hmm. And when you when you can when you consider that along with the level of expression that you find in this 1 minute, it's I mean, I would not be surprised if this was one of the hardest or most difficult scenes to piece together uh, because of, you know, how quickly it changes and musically as well. You're moving from one extreme mood to another. I think this is just such a pivotal moment and things change very rapidly from here. So, yeah, even with the way the characters look and hold themselves, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen that progression, especially with Beast throughout the movie that he's, you know, becoming more of a human, or at least remembering that he is more human than he is Beast. And he's stopped going around on all fours and started wearing more clothes and all that good stuff. I like the the more clothes, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wonder, who's his tailor? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm sure there has to be one in the castle. Yeah. We know that his barber is the hat rack. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe he dabbles in sewing as well. <laughs> because, I mean, where well, where do all her dresses come from, too? Well, She's got wardrobe. Yeah, she has the wardrobe. Yeah, but right? is the wardrobe magical and just suddenly has these dresses that pop out like magically or did they belong to somebody beforehand and if so who did they belong to and how do they all fit her perfectly like 
Yikes. I'm just I think saying. you're tapping into an entire backstory that could be <laughs> very heartbreaking. I mean, for all we know, Beast has already, you know, dealt with uh, heartbreak and maybe possibly broken someone's heart on his own. He was Aww. a prince. I mean, he was a good-looking <laughs> guy. Thin, though. What? When he was like a prince. When he was human. When he was a human prince, he was only 10. Yeah, that's a long time to pass. <laughs> Although he seems, when they draw him, he seems more like an adult at the beginning. Yes, he does. I don't. They don't think. actually draw him as a child. Well, we, we speculated on that, that that was more of them trying to portray him as, as more regal and royal and you know, more awesome than he was because he was a prince. That's a that's a good argument. I think too, it would it would follow suit then that I mean, do we know how much time has passed since he became a beast? Ten years. Ten yeah. years. Well he could be he could be forty. Yeah. He totally forty when he gets changed back. <laughs> uh-huh. And the fact that she's seventeen makes it all the better that he's forty. <laughs> oh, you know, that's just what they did uh. back then, right? Oh my gosh. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty sure he's 21 <laughs> yeah. uh, or about to turn 21. But what would be really sad is if all those dresses were from previous women that he had in the castle that didn't work that's out. That's where I thought you were going, <laughs> Lauren. That's what I thought you were going to say. Well, I mean, that's what I was thinking. But I was thinking even uh, even before I was thinking, man, he could have been 20 and been a total scoundrel before I mean, let's be honest. He could have been. And and then, where are they? Where are who? <laughs> where are the women that were wearing these dresses before? Oh, well, okay. I've heard an argument that They're they dead. were his mother's dresses. Oh. I've heard well, that argument. That could get really weird, too, because then are we dealing with some kind of weird Oedipus thing? Because does Belle look like his mother? That's got to be weird. I don't. I, I, where are you coming up with this? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> speculating. I'm just throwing this out there. Which is why I said, I mean, if he has a tailor, maybe the tailor made the dresses too. Was my whole point in the first place. <laughs> I like where this is going. We've coming totally... back around. <laughs> now that I've thrown all these crazy theories at you, let's bring it back in. <gasps> <laughs> to my real theory, there is a tailor who made the dresses for Belle. Of course, some of them were there in the in the wardrobe. They were already. in the wardrobe the night she got there, so it's no. Hey, Janae, it's- Janae, I got it, I got it. <sighs> magic. It's magic. <laughs> magic. That's always our answer, Lauren. Whenever we like ha- cannot explain something, it's magic. It's the enchantment. Exactly. Let's talk about the color she's wearing, though. I'm sorry, but that purple, I purple. It's like I was gonna say I'm purple. colorblind, but I'm not that colorblind. <laughs> it's like pink purple. It is not like a real pink. It's like a oh, what would you call it? It's not baby pink. It's not pomegranate fuchsia rose pomegranate? it's like a rose, rose color i guess but it's kind of dusty it's got some like gray undertone in there dusty it reminds me rose. of sleeping beauty mauve there's a mauve i think it's just i don't like it i love the green 
She's I in like the, it. She's in the library, and I like that color. It's so fresh, and then she puts on this, like, weird... It reminds me too much of Ariel, to be frank. Hmm. Do you really? know that dress I'm talking about? The one she yeah. wears when she goes to dinner and uses the dingle hopper oh, in yeah. her hair? The pink dress with the puffed sleeves. I hate puffed sleeves. Oh, yeah. It reminds me too much of that. It's oh, a little bit too funny. Silly. I didn't even think of that because... I wish it was more Ariel's pink dress is more like bubblegum pink, pink. And this pink, more like you said, has the gray undertone. More of a dusty, regal, like soft feminine feel to it to me. But that's just me. I like that you use the word regal because that's totally what I think. It looks regal, but I associate that with colors that I dislike honestly like that <laughs> that gross green or that royal purple you're I'm, so funny i'm not into those colors so i think it's weird i just feel like it's so it's not it doesn't seem like a functional outfit to wear out in the snow it seems like it would be really hard to dry clean <laughs> <laughs> okay first of all they don't have drag cleaning girl second of all that's my point that's disgusting <laughs> They wash it like regular clothes. Yeah, but that material does not look like it's just cotton. (laughs) She's in the snow. It can't be cotton. It's probably a wool dress. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not easy to clean. (laughs) Well, she didn't have to worry about it. That's what the servants are for. Right? (laughs) But also, let's keep in mind that none of her outfits are weather appropriate. I mean, when she escapes to go... No one's are. When she escapes to go run away and the beast comes and saves her from the wolves. And then she, like, puts her cloak on him. um, Come on. She's, like, gonna freeze to death. Well, yeah, and then she has her, her bare hands out in the snow... She doesn't have gloves. It's like, well, let's just cut off her hands because they're probably dead from frostbite. I think this is where we get into the movie magic portion where it's like (laughs) they weren't really thinking about weather appropriate apparel. They were thinking, oh, what's going to look good? And it works because it's a movie and it's magical. I guess so. It does look kind of nice. (laughs) Magic. Magic. It looks kind of nice with the, uh, with the, uh, blue. Is that what he's wearing? The blue overcoat? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess, I guess that's kind of nice, but. I like her fuzzy cloak thingy. (laughs) I like Bobby's word for it. Fuzzy cloak thingy. Yes. (laughs) I forever will know that is the fuzzy cloak thingy every time I watch this movie now. (laughs) <laughs> so why is it that the yellow dress is so iconic and not the fuzzy cloak thingy because that's the big love dance ballroom scene love dance <laughs> <laughs> but this is the this is the love scene isn't that what we decided like this is the moment where they are this is the actually falling, falling in, in love. love yeah this is the falling in love scene the ballroom dance is the okay we we're actually in love, in love. Scene. Ah, I see. So it's not as important until like it's actually it's actually happened. So this is the happening. I think the yellow ball gown is just iconic because she's a princess and she has to have a princess gown in Disney mm-hmm. worldness. So that is the most princessy dress she wears. So that's the one that's iconic. That's what I think. I think you're right. Yep. Which, in my opinion, is such a shame because that dress does not look comfortable. I mean, I'd rather have the red one be her iconic dress. Which, which one? one? The red one, red, purpley, pinky one. 
the red, purpley, pinky, and the dusty mob, whatever color we're trying to determine this to be. Um, yeah, I would. I don't think that that's functional. I don't like that color. <laughs> I don't think that that's functional. I honestly, probably her first outfit. Like that looks yeah. like a working girl, right? Well, I think the yellow one is the first iconic dress and the one, the blue one she wears in the beginning is her second iconic dress. I think she has two and those are the two. Yeah, right. yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, well, that's what you see all the little girls wearing at Halloween is the yellow dress or the white and blue, which can get confusing because it does almost remind me of Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. That's what I think, yeah. Too true. But not, because it's not gingham. Yeah, and maybe it's just too hard to make this really complicated color, and so no one makes this costume for Halloween (laughs) (laughs) trick-or-treaters. I mean, out of all the costumes to wear out trick-or-treating, that one is the one that makes the most sense, especially if you live in, let's say, northern Illinois or Michigan. (laughs) And you need a fuzzy cloak thingy. Yeah, you need layers. Everybody needs one. So why didn't Disney market that as the costume, the one to wear? Because that's not as big and poofy. You can't (laughs) charge people as much for it. Oh, man. I'm impressed that they got away with a yellow dress being an iconic Disney dress because who looks good in yellow? No one. The thing is, some people do. (laughs) I think it depends on the shade of yellow. The same shade of yellow will not look good on all people. Yeah. You have to have like your kind of shade of yellow. Just like green doesn't look, the same shade of green doesn't look good on everyone. You have to have the shades of green that look good on you or the shades of blue that look good on you. But still, yellow overall, people don't like to wear. Yeah, back to your your, uh, comment on the regalness of the mauve, dusty rose, red dress (laughs) with the fuzzy cloak thingy. (laughs) Perhaps this yellow is actually more gold. See, that's what I think, too. I like gold. Which, when we think about it, is, is more... Royal. Royal. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks good with his blue. He's got a theme of blue. It looks good with his, like, royal blue. I think it's interesting because, you know, we see in this, uh, clip, in this minute, we see, we see the beast changing significantly. But I think we rarely stop to pause and think about how much Belle is changing. Because before, I feel like she is not unlike myself. (laughs) I think that I went through a growing period from age 20 to 25, a drastic one, and then like a little bit of a refining process from 25 to 27, <laughs> uh, which in which my maturity, I, I, I just saw my growth accelerate. So I think that you see that with Belle, because when in the beginning, she seems so unwilling to forgive or be at all understanding of why the beast is in the condition and the attitude that he's in. And here you see her starting to realize this guy has a backstory and I'm starting to understand that he's a lot more damaged goods than I originally thought and I should be a little bit more sensitive to that. Uh, Maybe grant him a little bit more empathy rather than just sympathy, which I think is, is pretty significant. So as you see Belle kind of go through this transition as well, I think it makes her 
more fit to become a queen, you know? Mm, I like that. Too bad she never will. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they get married at the end of the movie, so she becomes a princess, but Beast never becomes a king, and then Why? there's like the French Revolution, and they have to either get their heads chopped off or go to England. <sighs> wow, we are having a lot of violence in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he gets re- they get rescued by the Scarlet Pimpernel, okay? Right, but then she never becomes a queen. That's what I'm saying. Oh man, what a shame. Well, at least she's prepared. She's prepared for she's, anything. She's a Perpetually queen a in princess. her heart, and uh, she doesn't need a kingdom to be a queen. Exactly. Whereas before, <laughs> she wasn't even ready to be a queen. She was just, you know, a peasant girl who uh, was the inventor's daughter and read a lot. So educated, but. You know, nevertheless limited in perhaps mannerisms. Although it does seem that Belle is graceful in some effects. Nevertheless, I think that she needed some growing in order to perhaps become accustomed to the ways of the uh, princesses and princely, um, what would you call them? expectations manners (laughs) yeah well it's funny that you say that because uh, i look at the pair of them and she obviously is the one who's teaching him how to be human and how to have manners and how to do all these things so i think it's interesting that you're like she's learning how to be more regal and royal in her actions when she is just teaching beast how to be a human in a way. But don't we learn <laughs> as teachers? I learn most as a teacher. Um, I teach voice in Plano. And I think that that's something that I learn from my students every day how to be a better singer. They're only 12 years old. <laughs> but I still feel like they have a lot to offer me, even though I'm the one that's the adult and in charge of creating the lesson plan and everything. So I think Belle is the same way. She's teaching Beast, but at the same time, she's learning so much for herself about how to. <laughs> To treat people, especially people that you don't see eye to eye with at first. Mm, cool. I love it. Awesome. Well, my last note of this minute is that as a kid, this scene always made me want to feed, try to feed the birds. <laughs> <laughs> I never feed got it to work like birds, that. Did you ever sing Bobby for them? No, no. Oh, what a shame. You have a lovely voice <laughs> as... We saw at the beginning of this minute. This is true. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> he said awkwardly. <laughs> uh, I love it. I wish there were birds outside uh, right now, Bobby. You could just, you know, do a little, do a little bird call, and maybe they'd they'd come to your window. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. like that. Wrong movie. <laughs> She doesn't do any bird calls in this movie. I just have to put out there. So my son, Dimitri, he's two. And uh, he's a slow, like slowly moving into talking. Because um, Lily, the older one, when she was two, she was she was going a mile a minute. She was talking all over the place. And Dimitri, he's taken a long time to, to pick it up. And so he's just now getting to the point where he's saying words instead of just like, eh, 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 food. Um, <laughs> so he's actually starting to put together more words but uh we watched we watched that movie and what's that movie called enchanted so whenever we go to watch that movie or he wants to he'll go ah, ah, ah. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's how he communicates that he wants to watch enchanted that's awesome wow <laughs> how many times have you seen Beauty that and the movie? Beast? 
We don't really watch that one that often, so I think he just he just likes that part. That's <laughs> he likes all the animals. That's cute. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll like those birds, and he can attach Beauty and the Beast with the music from this minute. <laughs> what would he hum, yeah. though, in that? I wonder. It's so tricky. Yeah, it's a much more complex melody than (laughs) than her animal Uh, call. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to start that, guys. (laughs) That's okay, Janae. As if we haven't run into any tangents today. (laughs) I think Tangent Uh, is the title of this this episode. Of this episode. (laughs) I thought we were going to call it Fuzzy Cloak Thingy, but... Yeah, (laughs) that's good, too. That's really good. Uh, do either of y'all have any other notes on this minute? I'm good. I'm good too. I think we covered just about everything you could cover <laughs> for one minute of movie. Oh, oh, we could go on. I know Trust we me. could, but I bet we can't though. Not today. Yeah, so that will be it for this minute then. Listeners, if y'all want to get a hold of us before the next episode comes out or to let us know what you think about the dresses and the colors and bird feeding and I don't know what, head over to Growler Media. There you can leave comments on our posts. Let us know about the episodes. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search Beastly Minute and you will find us. If you want to get a hold of me personally, you can do that by going to Growler Media and my email address is there. Just shoot me an email and you will be talking to me. Janae, what about you? If you would like to get a hold of me, as always, you are welcome to visit my website, JanaeHyatt.com, where you can listen to my voiceover portfolio as well as send me a message. And I would love to get back to you and answer your questions. And Lauren, um, if people want to get a hold of you, is there some way they can do that? Or is there anything you want to, to plug to send people to? Oh, absolutely. If they want to get a hold of me and talk music, uh, just send them to... Uh, to Janae, and she'll she'll give them my my info. You betcha. Okay, awesome. Well then, uh, we'd like to thank Duo Hansen for our intro music and outro music. Check them out on YouTube. That's Duo Hansen. They are awesome, and we thank them for doing that. We also want to thank Megan Jurek for creating our new awesome podcast artwork. You can find her on facebook.com slash Megan the Cartoonist. Thank you for doing such an awesome job creating our new artwork. So y'all be sure to go check out everything that she does over there. And until next time. Oh, 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 it's magic. Something is really different. I'm a growler. I'm keeping your bones.